0: Yo, yo, my name is Big Lou, and you are now listening to Go Produce. We're the show that explores how music industry professionals turn their passion into profits. In this episode, we've got Jordan Pauli, an ambitious booking agent who began his hustle back when he was in high school. The Go Produce focus of this episode is what can we expect, and how can we maneuver an early career as a booking agent, as well as how does an artist or band make themselves desirable to an agent? If you think you may need an agent or if you want to become an agent, this episode is for you. All right, all right. Thank you, Jordan, so much for being here. I want you to know that we do really appreciate your time, so why don't we just go ahead and make the most of this. Let's go produce. Listeners, let me tell you who we've got for you today. Jordan Pauli. he is no stranger to the music industry. The Coburg, Ontario native began his career in high school, in high school, independently organizing and promoting nearly a hundred concerts until the time he graduated from the music industry arts program from Fanshawe College here in London, Ontario. That's ambition. That's hunger. This guy, he's hungry. With his diploma in hand, he spent his first few years out of school working at a record label, a brand partnerships agency, and a talent buying slash merchandise company. Jordan then, nearly a decade later, made his way to the Feldman Agency. Throughout his career, Jordan has become an active part of the North American club's booking team. And I can't really say that I'm surprised because of this guy's hustle. Today, he books tours for acts including Big Wreck, Mother Mother, Tokyo Police Club, Pup, Lord Huron, The Coat Hangers, Orville Peck, Jeremy Dutcher, and the rest of the Feldman Agency roster. Mr. Jordan Pauli, welcome to the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. No problem. No problem. Happy to have you here. Because we appreciate your time, we're just going to go right into it. And we're going to start with the first segment of today that is called The Basics. Pooh! Let's get it going. Some some nice elevator music to ease into this, all right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, Jordan. What we're going to do here is start off with the basics, and this is designed to get a little bit of you into the listener's ears. We're going to ask you some simple questions, and we just want to get to know you better, so no pressure. We start off here with one of my favorite questions, and that is, what is your favorite, or first, I should say, what is your first musical memory?
1: First musical memory? Oh, wow. Um that's actually pretty, that's a pretty deep cut right there. <laughs> uh, what we I can for? remember listening to music with my dad in his Mustang convertible when I was young. And he introduced me to a lot of his old classics. And that's where I really started uh, diving into like some of that old rock and roll, like Huey Lewis and the News and stuff along that line. All right, um, yeah. And it really kind of started shaping things towards the music side for me.
0: That is definitely one way to ease into music. I mean, it, seems, it sounds as if you're in a very comfortable position.
1: Oh, God, I was like six years old. That's so early. Awesome. <laughs> awesome.
0: Awesome. Cool. And now, after all of this, it seems as though you've been always doing what you've wanted to do. Was this all part of your plan? Am I completely off by saying you're doing what you want to do? No,
1: I like I'm definitely doing what I want to do now. Uh, It took me a while to get here, but I knew from a young age, like high school age, that I wanted to be a booking agent. Um, And it just took a little bit of a roundabout path in order to get me there. But everything that I did was building blocks, starting from like being a promoter and working for a record label and working for a management company, working on the brand partnership side, moving into merchandise and talent buying, and then eventually actually getting into the booking agency world. Um, each one of those things was building blocks in order to learn different aspects of the music industry, so that when I did get into this position, I had a larger appreciation for everything that goes into building an artist's career.
0: That's a lot. So when you were i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna try and pry information out of each one of those stages of your life. But Do let's it. rewind to when you're in high school, when you've got that original dream, did you foresee yourself having to? Or even wanting to go to each of these different stages to get to where you are, as opposed to let no. me just go and do this right now.
1: I definitely didn't. I like when I was in high school, I thought uh, it was going to be just like jump from there into college and from there become a booking agent and just roll with it. Um, I didn't have the full grasp on how much you actually had to do in order to get into a position where you could be booking, where you could be like helping to shape the live side of the artist's career. It was like Promoting started that drive to become an agent because I sat there and dealt with agents all the time. And just the way that they were able to help control uh, the conversation that revolved around the artist's live career uh, really uh, drove me and like incited a fire within me in order to get to this position.
0: Interesting. So in what order did you do these different stages out of Fanshawe? Out of Fanshawe, so when I
1: left Fanshawe, actually, after my first year at Fanshawe, I started working for a record label in Toronto called Underground Operations, that at that point in time was probably the largest uh, independently owned punk rock and metal record label based out of Toronto. Um, they started at the same time that Alone Records started. Alone is still around, and uh, Underground Operations is not. Uh, okay. So I worked with them in between first year and second year. And then when I got out of second year, I went from there and did a little bit of touring around and worked for a brand partnerships company and then moved from there through different aspects of the industry.
0: That's wild. Okay. And throughout all your time here working with these different groups of people but still within the same industry, is there something that's often misunderstood about you? About me? Everything is misunderstood about me. Well, go on. I'm, <laughs> I'm actually let's, let's a very
1: shy and introverted character. No, I'm kidding. Um, you know, there's not really much to misunderstand about me. I'm a very straightforward person. I'm a no bullshit kind of guy. Um, and I really like to just put it all out there and be as honest as possible with the people that I work with. Because there's something about integrity and honesty in this industry. It's not always valued as much as it should be. And it's something that I hold dear to my heart.
0: Is it something that's rare?
1: I wouldn't say it's rare. I'd say it's like a 50-50 shot. You never really know when you're talking to an agent whether or not they're like being completely honest with you. And it's just something I like to pride myself on.
0: Do you think that being openly honest and saying that can hurt you because other people might try and take advantage of you?
1: Yeah, 100%. People can always try to do that. But then those people that try to take advantage of me are the people that I don't do business with. So it's kind of a double-edged sword right there. And if I'm honest with them up front about it, they know where I stand on the whole aspect of it.
0: And you'll typically end up working with people that are honest and will reciprocate for you.
1: It's a certain level of respect in the industry. The people that respect me, respect my time, respect my ethics are the people that I also respect their time, respect their ethics, and respect their business acumen.
0: So it, it comes down to a matter of choice for the artist and for anyone else that's working within this industry, how they carry out themselves. And that can really determine how far they go within the industry.
1: It's t- uh, somewhat true. Like when it comes to the artist working with an agent, um, you don't necessarily want to go with the most honest and open one. You want to go with the one that's going to make you the most money. Yeah. Um, because like any industry out there, it's all about the money that you make. And when it comes to an artist's career, you're utilizing your art that you've spent so much time and energy creating, you want to go with somebody that can properly build your career and pump it out, like keep going through different stages in order to see progressive growth year over year. um then there's also the artists that are legacy acts out there like the april wines the glass tigers the like name any act that's in our legacy roster at feldman and they're the ones that you want to just see that same amount of business repeated year over year just so that you can maintain your same level or your same quality of life
0: yeah that's that's a good point so is there a lot of compromise do you find Not necessarily you, but within the industry, you know?
1: Yeah, there's always compromise. Like right now, especially while we're sitting here in a pandemic situation and the entire industry has imploded, we have to compromise with everybody that we're working with. Whether it's like the buyers, whether it's the artists, whether it's the managers, whether it's the record labels, because we've seen a complete implosion on the live industry in terms of entertainment in general. Um, and it's not only the music industry too, like you're seeing it in every industry is affected by this 2 million jobs were lost in Canada in the month of April, yeah. 2020 at this point right now,
0: at this um, point, yeah.
1: and it's not lost on the music industry whatsoever. Like we're definitely affected by this. So I don't want to downplay every other industry and say that the music industry is the most affected by it. Um, but at the same time, like we have to compromise with these buyers that are out there that have sent in deposits for festivals this summer that are government mandated to not go forward just because we can't have large gatherings of people so that's like that is a certain uh compromise that i can point to at this point in time yeah um but in terms of just like compromising in general when i'm dealing with people we have to find that middle ground so that everybody walks away from a deal happy and not just one person winning over the other
0: i think people need to re re listen to that that last statement you said it doing work together cooperatively goes a long way as opposed to stepping over each other. It's true. Like if I sit
1: here and I just like burn and turn a buyer and just grab all the money that they've got so that they can't do any business in the future, how does that help me in the long run? It doesn't. So if I'm working with somebody in order to make sure that everybody's walking away from a situation happy or from a deal happy, then we're actually walking into a situation where we can do recurring business year over year.
0: And that's the win. That's that's how you accrue. Mm Mm-hmm. It grows like that. True story. Yeah, yeah. I like that. And outside of music, you spend a lot of time doing that. You spend yourself immersed in this industry. But outside, what do you do in your downtime?
1: <laughs> Go to concerts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're oh, in it. You're fully in it. That's all.
1: Work yeah. on deals for my clients. Uh, like, sit there and research constantly. No, like, outside of the music industry, my favorite pastime is video games right now. Yeah. I like yeah. I am an avid follower of esports currently because I find that to be such an interesting industry and eventually I would love to have a piece of that that I could actually work on. Um, oh, cool. But it's also one of the booming industries right now during this pandemic, which, again, I find so interesting because you can do all of the competing remotely. So all of these different esports companies that people kind of shook a stick at, saying it was only for nerds, they're the ones that are actually uh, still pro- are still proving to be profitable throughout a pandemic situation.
0: Yeah, yeah, nerds, never mm-hmm. really a bad thing to be a nerd. Now <laughs> I'm a nerd, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm a nerd. Take it, that's a compliment as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, <laughs> uh, how about how about drinks? Is that even a hobby? Because like you know. It's a pastime. Drinks are always
1: a hobby. I actually, <laughs> I worked as a uh, professional cocktail bartender for about Ooh. seven years while I was coming up through the industry. So right. I'm uh, very avid into weird cocktails and different culinary cultures and uh, all kinds of things in that uh, aspect as well.
0: It is Friday for us, not for when really the listeners are listening to this, but you got one cocktail that you would recommend right now, just randomly?
1: The Old Fashioned. The old fashioned. It's, it is a the old fashioned cocktail. It's not actually very uh, difficult to make. It's a little bit of sugar, a little bit of whiskey, a little bit of bitters, and maybe some orange peel in there.
0: Okay. So, no, I mean, like it's simple, but people are very particular about how they like it.
1: Very, very particular. Like every bar will make an, an old fashioned differently. There's a standard template for it, but uh, the old fashions that I make at home are the best ones.
0: Yeah. It's probably, uh, oh, 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 I just agreed. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> if, if you ever find yourself with an extra old fashioned and if you extra or if you need an extra hand, you know who to call.
1: There you go. I'll here. call you Big Lou. Hey.
0: <laughs> Beautiful. Well, that draws the conclusion to it draws it, doesn't draw any conclusion. I'm 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 waiting for this angry Just sound. Just drawing guy to make conclusions all is, over the place. I love it. I'm trying to, yeah. I'm trying too hard here. Anyway, that's uh that is the end of this segment. We had a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm just going to keep on uh, moving on, pretend like I didn't mess up there. And we're going to start our second segment called the speed round. That's my fast, fast noise.
1: No, the mouse sound effects are amazing. (laughs) High tech all over the place. Go produce people. (laughs) We're we're doing
0: our best here. (laughs) All righty. So for our listeners and for you, Jordan, the purpose of this segment is called. What am I even doing here? This segment is called Speed Round, and the purpose of this is to ask you some rapidly asked questions. We're going to ask you to say yes, no, this, that, either, or none, and after you get the opportunity to justify the answers. But for for the purpose of this, we're just going to do it quick. Cool. Sound good? Let's do it. All right. Do you play any instruments? No. Do you have any hidden talents? Yes. Ooh. Do you prefer movies or TV shows? Movies. Do you prefer a life of leisure or luxury? Luxury. Agents have the pull to get you more money than you could on your own. Yes. Breakfast or dinner? Dinner. Does your birthday always happen on the same day of the year? Yes. Do you prefer dogs or cats? Dogs. Is it going up or are we going down? Up. Do you ever feel like an imposter? No. Do you prefer dining or delivery? Dine-in. Do you view life as glass half-full or half-empty? Half-full. Having an agent is critical for an artist or a band to develop. No. Do you prefer to be inside or outside? Outside. You have to get rid of one of these five senses. Sight, touch, smell, hearing, or taste. Which do you choose? Smell. Interesting. Do you have any regrets? No surf or turf surf do you have any nicknames yes do you have a daily routine yes have you ever dealt with live nation or aeg yes damn very nice that is everything here would you like to clarify anything that depends
1: oh. do you want me to clarify anything? i
0: do want you to clarify well, some things if you, let's if pick you don't three offer and you up... can
1: have me clarify them
0: oof okay uh first i want to start off with hidden talent
1: Hidden talent. Uh, again, I want to go back to the uh, cocktail bartender thing. I was a little open about it earlier, but uh, I was actually the assistant bar manager for one of the top five cocktail bars in the world.
0: Interesting. So you, and I, I, I you can said do you molecular
1: s- mixology at the same time.
0: Molecular mixology. I'm, I'm going to pretend like I know what that means.
1: Manipulating tastes and flavor profiles along with textures. So you could have a solid cocktail or you could have like a gas form of an aroma, etc. in order to provide a full sensory cocktail experience.
0: And you would still choose the old-fashioned as the best cocktail? 100%. Wow. Interesting. Okay. Second one would be nicknames. What you got for me?
1: My friends from high school call me Grim. Grim. Yeah, I uh, I played a lot of Grim Fandango when I was in <laughs> high school, and it got to a point that I was obsessed and I'd talk about it all the time. So one of my friends from high school still calls me Grim to this day. Still. And are you still a fan? Uh, yeah, 100%. I have it on PlayStation right now, actually.
0: <laughs> Commitment. I like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, another question I have here for clarification is, why is an agent not critical for development?
1: Um, when you're developing as an artist, it's best for you to know all aspects of your business before you go and get anybody else on your team. So whether it is a manager, a record label, a merchandise consultant, a stylist, et cetera, et cetera, you need to know what these people are doing before you have them on board as your team, because that way you can actually tell when these people are not doing their job properly. Right. So when you're developing as an artist, You should be the one that's going out there booking all of your shows. You should be building the development plan for it. You should be getting yourself to the next level because that's when you're actually going to become appealing to any agent, manager, record label, et cetera, Um, instead of just going and saying, hey, in order for me to get shows, I need an agent in order to get to the next level. It starts with you.
0: It starts with you. So do you find that a lot of artists will succumb to all these pressures by trying to find an agent too early? Yes, because 100%. Uh,
1: artists go try to find agents way too early all the time. They will end up uh, jumping in with agents where they start talking about their business or they'll shoot blind emails off. Um, and I got to say, like 99% of the time, agents find the artist. Artists don't find the agents. Agents that are circling around you, that's when you know you need an agent. If you don't have agents circling around you, you don't need an agent.
0: Beautiful. That is the end of this segment. Speed round is now done. We've done some clarification. We learned some lessons. And now we move on to the next segment called What's Yo Take? We're we're, we're, we're doing our best like like grooving. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we're trying to have some fun with it, whatever. Here in this segment called What's Your Take, I'm going to ask you up to five quotes slash statements or topics or even ideas, and we want your perspective on it. For this segment is how do you calculate the worth of an artist? For example, what is there an equation that that looks like and how do you scale their price? Um, The worth of
1: an artist is the demand in the marketplace. There is no equation for it. if an artist has traction and they have like the value is provided in all of the things the artist does, like if they have music that's charting, if they have like a solid team, that's putting out good marketing for them, if the release is actually good, uh, if they've been to the market before. So there's so many factors that go into like the value of an artist, which is what we're looking at right now. Um, that it's just—it's one of those things that it just kind of comes. You find the value as you find the attraction and you find the history in any marketplace that they go into.
0: What makes a release good? Good music. It starts with
1: good music. So it's like, uh, is there an audience for the music? And it may not be the music I like. It may not be the music you like. Um, But if the artist is the only person that likes it, then there is... Coming out there, but if there is a demographic that really likes the music, um, then there's something that we can actually uh, call a good product that's coming out of it. Okay, and
0: w- how would you how would you deal with artists that they they chart, but they don't really have a high demand for live performances?
1: then it's one of those things that you kind of just got to wait until the demand is there for people to go see them live. Like when they don't have a demand for live audience, it means that there's something missing. Uh, so whether it is their social attraction, whether it is marketing in uh, extra marketplaces, like in Canada, because there's so few markets and so few radio stations, just because a song is charting, doesn't mean that there is the demand for the in the marketplace for live shows. Like I know one act that uh, I used to work with that has charted all over the place in Canada or charted in the top 20 in Canada, but the demand for their live show isn't really there. And that's potentially because either they haven't toured enough or they haven't had enough marketing go out to the other markets. They haven't worked on their social following. Like there's like a, the list keeps going on and on and on. Um, but when you do have a cohesive vision and you have a, like an artist that's working full steam in order to build a following, regardless of where it is, then they actually have like the value to go into these marketplaces and have the demand, uh, for the live shows. Like you can have an artist that has like 10,000 followers on Facebook, but try touring them through like Western Canada and there's no demand for them because those 10,000 followers are only in Toronto. So you have to figure out where all these logistics come from. With all the different platforms right now, whether it's streaming or socials, you can Mm -hmm. actually see the geo-targeted statistics that go along with that. And we use those as agents in order to figure out what the proper touring strategy is going to look like.
0: And then do you also use it to develop strategies into places that you would like to go that aren't so strong?
1: Yeah, and it's one of those things where you take a look and it's like, say we've got a list of 10 places that we want to go to, look at all the statistics that come across from all of those and like the streaming backends and the social backends. And then you can figure out where to spend marketing money in order to get the artist into these marketplaces. Um, Or you can look at like other tours that are going out and going into these markets and then you build a cohesive vision where it's like, yes, we can team this artist up with this artist in order to get more people out to it. And there's just like... It's a constant game of chess with artists. And, and one thing that artists need to remember when you're looking at a touring strategy is that it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Very, very seldom do you find yourself in a situation like an Orville Peck or a Daniel Caesar where it's like, hey, one day we're playing in front of 100 people. The next day we're playing in front of 10,000 people.
0: Yeah, that doesn't happen very often. How do you know when an artist is worth more? Do you like do you base that off of the effort that they're putting in or what point does it like go to the next level? You
1: can kind of just feel it and you can kind of you can see it in the like when you're discussing with a buyer as to where to set like a ticket price if you're looking at like there's two different ways to look at the value of an artist when you're going out into the live touring there's soft tickets and hard tickets soft tickets are like your festivals your corporates your branded events where you can go in you don't have to worry about ticket sales and it's typically a flat rate When you're looking at hard tickets is something that works into like a back-end deal structure and it's like you set the value of the tickets and this typically works with club touring which is somewhere that i'm more familiar with in terms of our company and our roster Um, And when you're talking with the buyers, you can, like, discuss where you feel good about the ticket price based on history, based on the following in the market. And you try to set that to a point that you can actually sell enough tickets to get people in the door for this while still turning a profit. Typically, your first couple of plays in any market, whether it's New York, Toronto, L.A., like Wisconsin, whatever. Um, you're going to find that you have to go in at a lower ticket price. But as you do more shows in the market, you gain more of a following. You slowly increase that ticket price with each play. Or say, like, out of somewhere, you get a crazy amount of plays on college radio. Um, Then you go into the market, you increase by a significant bump. And then you come in, you keep going up and up and up from there.
0: Okay, so I want to know... Talent buyers or charities, sometimes they get upset because they can't get pro bono or charitable prices for shows. What's your take on that? Is it worth it at all for artists and artists with agents to take these events?
1: Okay, so I've actually seen both sides of this. I used to talent buy for a string of charities across Canada that was benefiting the Special Olympics. It was motion ball for Special Olympics. And I also used to buy talent for the Canadian Breast Cancer Foundation charity events in Toronto as well. Um, So whenever I was out trying to get artists for these events, it was very difficult for me to negotiate through the process because you can't get like an Alessia Cara or Michael Bublé for $10,000. It just doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So when I came into the agent side, I actually started learning more about this process and it started making more sense. It's you're paying for awareness around the cause and around the event itself, rather than actually paying for like the value that an artist might bring or something like that, or the tickets that the artist might sell. What you're trying to do is you need to start changing the mindset that when you have an artist at these charity events, they're an added bonus. People are there to spend money in order to benefit the charity. They are not there in order to see the artist themselves. The artist is just something that you can use in order to like bring extra awareness through media, through social media, through any of these things. So if you want an artist that brings in more awareness, you have to pay for that level of awareness. It's a marketing spend. It's not a spend on the entertainment and the ticket sales itself.
0: That's an interesting approach. And I don't think very many people would approach it from that, you know?
1: No, it's a common misconception. And it's a really, it's interesting having the conversations with the buyers after having been on their side and moving over to the like booking side of things. Yeah, And when I can actually discuss it with them and have that like change in mentality for it, they start understanding like why they can't get their like, $100,000 offer pushed through for Brian Adams. And it's like, no, what you see when Brian Adams comes in to do a charity show, think of the media attention that you're going to get because of that. That's like you need to uh, increase your marketing spend in order to accommodate for that.
0: Right. It makes sense. I mean, it it is ultimately business at the end of the day and the dilemma is what are you going to do for charity, but at the end of the day ultimately Mm-hmm. It is it's true.
1: And these artists, they all have their own charitable <clears throat> stuff that they do um, because it's part of their philanthropic endeavors that are part of their brand. That's so they're already well. <laughs> giving away their time for these charities that they're working with constantly. They're, they have those things that they hold dear to their hearts. So when you come in as an external charity and you say like, why aren't you doing this for charity? You're a total loser because of it. Yeah. Um, you got to take that into effect with it. The mentality just isn't the same.
0: Right. You can't just expect it of them. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. 10 to 15% of the artist's booking fee is typical. Yes.
1: Uh, 10% is the agent standard.
0: That's if you the, have an that... agent
1: taking 15%, there's some strange reason behind it. Like you negotiated it because you need that agent for something. Yeah. But 10% is industry standard.
0: Industry Canadian or North American? Worldwide. Or worldwide. worldwide. And does that include the agent providing an, ad- an advance for the
1: 10% like providing an advance
0: explain the context of that like the all-in service making all the connections doing extra like above and beyond work
1: oh yeah like the agent doesn't get paid until the artist gets paid if right. the artist doesn't get paid the agent doesn't get paid so it's our job to chase the money to make sure that everything's contracted that everything's bulletproof and then if for some reason something goes wrong and we need to recoup the like expenses or we need to make sure that the money comes in after the fact That's also our job because we don't get paid until the artist gets paid.
0: Right. I can imagine that's very stressful. You know, it's for me,
1: it's daily routine now. It's one of those things that's kind of ingrained in me. So in the beginning, yeah, it was stressful because it was constantly like trying to figure out how to make sure that everything was bulletproof and that you had all your bases covered. But eventually, it's just one of those things that you just go through a routine with every single show, every single event, every single buyer that you're talking to where you just you check off a list of uh, boxes. Where right. It's just like, do they have their offer in order? Do they have the deposit in ahead of time? Do they have the contract signed? Have you approved all the marketing and promo? Uh, is there a good reason for doing this show? Uh, all of those things. It all kind of just works into the routine of running anything.
0: Do you find you spend... You just said you have almost a checklist, but do you find either now or previously in your career that you spent a lot of time and resources that are chasing time or sorry, did you spend a lot of time and resources chasing resources that were owed?
1: In the beginning, I did because my network wasn't fully built with professional buyers that I could trust and that I dealt with on the regular. That's a point in time when you're an early agent, it's a lot of chasing down money and a lot of chasing down leads and trying to find the people that actually have the money that are worth spending time on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the people that you end up like over time that when you spend too much time chasing money, chasing contracts, chasing like marketing proposals, etc., cetera, those are the people that you don't want to work with in the future. Um, granted the Canadian music industry versus the American music industry are two different monsters in Canada. Uh, there's a limited number of promoters, there's a limited number of festivals, there's a limited number of uh, events that are going on. Uh, And you kind of have to work with what you've got. You build out a network of people that you trust and that you want to continue working with that can continue driving revenue. In the US, uh, for every like Toronto that we've got, they've got like 50 of them. So it's just giant cities with like five to seven promoters with 10, 15 venues that you could go into. So if something goes wrong with one promoter, you can always just take the band and move it to the next one. Um, And that level of competition in the States drives a higher level of professionalism with the promoters that you're working with because everybody is out to undercut the other guy and everybody's out to outshine the other guy and make sure that you're their best friend and you want to keep bringing them business.
0: Right. Whoa. So it can get quite shady at times more so in the States. Yeah.
1: Well, like it can get shady no matter where you are. It's it's the music industry. There's a CD underbelly (laughs) (laughs) too. It's just the way that it works. Uh, We, you can find like your high professionalism people all over the place, but they deal with other people that are highly professional as well. There's a CD underbelly that deals with CD underbelly people as well. So it's just like, there's, different levels through it's like an onion the music industry is like an onion there you go you use a shrek reference (laughs) it makes people cry (laughs) (laughs) hey we try not to cry in the music industry you got to be rock hard for this
0: fair um
1: (laughs) but yeah it's like there's different people all over the place that deal in different levels of professionalism you're going to find that no matter where you go um it's just a matter of protecting yourself and protecting your client as best as possible when you're an agent you vet the living hell out of anybody that you haven't done business with before because you don't want to get burned. And the last thing you want to do is call up your client and say, oh, we screwed up. We're not getting that money or this is not going through. It's just they expect you to take care of them and protect them as best as possible.
0: Huh. Cool. Interesting. As we we're talking a little bit about the difference between operating in Canada and in the States, if you are an agent in Canada and you want to grow sufficiently, would you suggest to others to move to the States altogether? Or would you suggest to stay in Canada and then almost work globally through the interwebs?
1: If you want to grow as an agent or you want to grow as an an agent, As an agent. As an agent. Uh, It really depends what your goals are. Like, There's agents in Canada that have built the Canadian music or the live music industry, like look at the like Ralph James, the uh, Jeff Craves, the Julian Pacans of this industry. Um, and they've built out a Canadian business that has completely thrived over the last like X number of years. Um, it's just the way that it works. Uh, you can build out a sufficient uh, career in the Canadian music industry, just staying in Canada because there's enough opportunity we only have in canada probably 15 agents 20 agents working all across canada um but then if your goals of your career are to be larger than canada then yes you need to leave or you need to expand your business outside the canadian market in order to do so The canada has the same population as new york state so saying <laughs> that you're the best agent in canada is like saying you're the best agent in new york state wow. so you yeah. have to look at that relativity when you're that trying to figure out where yeah. exactly it's the You got to figure out, like, do you want to be like the king of Canada or do you want to be like the king of North America? And like, what does that path and that trajectory look like? Where do your goals align? Do you want to stay in Toronto and start working globally? Do you need to travel a lot in order to do so? How are you meeting these people? How are you seeing these venues? How are you building these relationships? Right. Um, Right now, I'm totally happy working as a North American agent working out of Toronto. It's great. Um, the situation in the United States is a lot worse than it is in Canada right now. So I'm a lot happier that I'm not based out of like a New York point in time. Um, but you know, we'll see what the future has in store. It's very interesting trying to figure out how the trajectory is going to look for anybody's path.
0: Yes, but my eyebrows raised, does that mean you're kind of considering moving right now? No but it's not out of the question in the future.
1: And like Honestly, <laughs> if the Feldman agency decided one day that they wanted to put boots on the ground in Chicago, LA, New York, something like that, I'd be open to the discussion. But you know, the Feldman agency is a fantastic agency with the largest agency in Canada, with the largest roster of uh, fully functional acts. Um, I don't see any reason to go anywhere.
0: Other than up within the agency itself.
1: Oh, for sure. Hey. For sure. Nice. I have a lot of great mentors at this company, like uh, Jeff Crabe, uh, Tom Kemp, Joel Baskin, Jason Furman, Stephen Hemelfarb. They're all fantastic agents, and I'm learning a lot from them. Plus, we have the godfather of like the Feldman agency, Vinnie Sincbani, working here as well. He works uh, like Michael Bublé. He works Brian Adams. He works Diana Krall. It's like... He has a fantastic roster of acts. He works at Our Lady Peaks. Like these are all bands yeah. that I grew up listening to. So it's like I have an excellent resource of agents to learn from and to like form my career from.
0: That's super awesome. I wanna stress the value of mentors. Did you always have mentors throughout your 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 career in this industry? Yeah, if you don't have a mentor, you're doing something wrong. You need to
1: learn from the people that are at a higher level than you. There's an adage that goes, you are as strong as the five closest people to you in your life. If the five people around you, if you're the best person in the room, you're in the wrong room. There you go. If you're in a room with people that are better than you, you actually have something to learn.
0: And I think that's one fine way to end this segment. On to our next one called It's a Wheel Challenge. Pooh! here it here is <laughs> jazzy feeling nice <laughs> <laughs> i love the drum
1: finale that was I, I, great <laughs> i was
0: totally offbeat but like I have sorry to were those maracas or were they drum <laughs> whatever looks cooler <laughs> okay so now that that's over we've got the wheel in the back And that's what's next. It's a wheel challenge and I'm gonna spin the wheel for you for obvious reasons. And whatever task you get is what you're gonna do. We'll explain it as we go. Ready?
1: Cool, let's do it. Let's do it.
0: But Drum roll. Not really a drum roll. This is (laughs) mid-show, mid-roll.
1: Oh, that wheel can really spin.
0: It keeps on going, hey? Yeah. Okay, we got ourselves a trivia. (laughs) Now, (laughs) The
1: system is rigged. The system is rigged. What?
0: (laughs) It's a trivia challenge, and this one's called Test Yourself. All right, all right. (laughs) So what we're going to do is we're going to ask you three questions, and we're going to see if you have the knowledge. Oh, God, here we go. Okay. First one is, what is the largest major label in the world?
1: Oh, wow. That's interesting.
0: Um, I want to say Universal Music. Ding, 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 ding. You got it right. That's one for you. Our next question. Daniel E.K. is the CEO of which company? Not a clue. Not a clue? Spotify. Hmm. Last question. Yeah. This is it. This is for all the marbles that I do not have on this table. Who said this? Some call it arrogant. I call it confident. That's a quote. Mm, and, um, not a clue. Some call her the queen bee. The answer is Beyonce. Beyonce? Really? <laughs> Some call it arrogant. Amazing. I call it confident.
1: This is why I don't know this quote. I unfortunately ran out of Beyonce quotes the other day. So it, my daily quotes were, my daily quota of quotes were not there.
0: This is this is your chance to polish up on them.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: But because that one went so smoothly, I want to try one more with you if you're up okay. for it. Since
1: Let's you went through
0: all that effort getting the paper at, 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 uh, at the start, we're going to do the drawing challenge. Yes. Okay. Okay, cool. And what we're going to do is you have 10 seconds to draw each of these tasks. I'm going to give you, not tasks, items. I'm going to give you three different items. And you are also not allowed to look at what you're drawing. You have to look at me. So it's drawing blindfolded, if you will. We're going to start off with, remember, 10 seconds and no looking down. We're going to start off with a fork. 10, 9, 8, 8, 7. You got it? Let's see it closer to the camera. What? <laughs> Angry sound guy, what you think of that? Mm-hmm. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm okay, go I'll take the full nah. 10 seconds next time. Let's ten do it. 10 seconds <laughs> next time. Okay, so the next one is going to be an angelfish 10, 9, eight, seven, six, five. Four, three, two, one. Oh. There it is. All right, what you guys think? Ding, 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 ding. All right, one for one. You've got to defend this one. I think you could do it. Okay. Ten seconds for this. The CN Tower. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four. Three, two, one. Let's see it. Moment of truth. Ding, 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 ding. We got it. There we go. I can blindly draw this again. You're doing yourself. There's a hidden skill for you. (laughs) Ah, more comes out. (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful. Next up, we've got our last segment, which is designed to eliminate brain fog for our listeners. This segment is called Clear the Air. Cool.
1: (laughs) Tell me about Clear the Air, What about
0: Clear the Air? Okay, I'll tell you a little bit more about Clear the Air. I'm going to ask you to be honest about challenges that are common within the industry. And essentially, we want to help others that haven't experienced what you have, avoid unnecessary hurdles to get to where they want to go. Make sense? Yeah. Makes sense. Beautiful. My first question for you is as an agent, you work with everyone from artists to managers to venue owners and talent buyers. What are some things you wished these other parties would stop doing?
1: Make sure that you value the other people's time and that you respond in a timely fashion.
0: You want everyone across the board artist managers venue owners talent buyers everyone in the industry professional or in the professional industry to stop wasting time now how about each specific person or group of people what about artists is there something that specifically grinds your gears that they do that they should Um, stop doing
1: oh wow uh that's tough because everybody grinds my gears at some level or another, but nobody really does. No grouping of people really does anything that uh... actually, you know what? I think this can also kind of go across all sides here. Um, When it comes to being a manager, uh, be decisive. Like don't sit there and be wishy-washy and like go back and forth or like try to overthink things. It's like, People are giving you the information. Ask a couple of questions and make a decision. Like even if it takes you two days to make a decision, that's great. If you need to check in with a couple of people, check in on that. But like make a decision. Uh, I think that falls into the artist category as well, where it's just like, hey, artists, like make a decision. Like what do you want to do? How do you want to do this? Did you have like your plan like figured out? Do you have your goals in mind? Make a decision. Move forward with it. If anything has to change, pivot as you go. But like, make sure that when you make a decision, you go in that direction.
0: So anxiety, hesitation, none of that is good for this. You know,
1: like there is a certain element of anxiety and hesitation that comes along with anything that we do. It's the music industry and we're working with a form of art. Like people are very like people hold their art form near and dear to their hearts. uh, And I understand the apprehension to do anything with it or to like make a call in order for something to happen. But when it comes to like moving forward your career, like you got to make a decision in order to do something. Whether it's a decision on what your brand is going to look like, whether it's a decision on like playing a certain show, whether it's a decision on how the next year is going to look, um, yeah. make a decision and start moving with it. Don't sit there and hum and haw over it for like a week and go back and forth. And that leads back into it when you change wasting your mind time. ten times, you're wasting time. Yeah,
0: yeah, and. Oddly enough, these people would be like, oh, no, I'm not good at making decisions, this and that, wasting everyone's time. But but you are actually making a decision not to decide. So Correct. stop wasting everyone's time, essentially.
1: Totally, totally. <laughs> yeah. Not to pump another podcast or anything like that, but there's, no, a, there's a podcast called Music Business 101, and they did an interview with Rob Light from CAA. And that was something that he brought up. Um, and it just, it completely changed my perspective on how managers and record labels and publicists all work because it's just like, we're sitting here putting in all this time, trying to build out a like plan for you guys. And what we think is the best way to do it. If you have a couple of things that you want changed, great, but make a decision. Is this the way that you want to go with your career or is it not? Like it's pretty black and white when it comes down to that. And then don't, when we started working on it, don't change your mind halfway through (laughs) it and say
0: you want to do something else yeah yeah i can't say i've never experienced that
1: no totally and it's another one of those things where it's like when you get to a certain level like when you get to be rob light who's like one of the heads of music for caa one arguably one of the biggest music booking agencies or booking agencies in the world um you can pick and choose the people that you work with but when you're starting out as an agent, you're building up, you kind of got to deal with some of these things and roll with the punches and like kind of work through different scenarios with different people before you get your feet under you and before they get their feet under them. Yeah. Um, and it's just one of those things that you got to deal with. So I'm not saying yeah. like, hey, I'm not going to work with you because you can't make a decision. Um, but I'm going to say like, make a. De- it's going to help everybody in the long run.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> how about i i know i'm I'm jumping to each of them specifically but i am very curious about venue owners is there something that they perhaps miss when they're setting up that's very common or do you show up to a venue and you find surprises sometimes
1: do you have any struggles
0: with them venue managers
1: are all over the all over the spectrum like you'll find venue managers that are like like there's some really good ones in Canada. There's some kind of iffy ones in Canada. Uh, I'm not going to name any names just because this is a public forum here. Uh, but like, when an artist shows up on site, be there to meet them. Shake their hands. Say hi. Ask them if they need anything. Introduce them to their crew that's going to be working with them. Um, and then just like make sure that you're on site. Like Especially like if you're the promoter and venue manager. Make sure that you're on site for the show in case anything comes up. Um, if you leave halfway through the show, uh, I don't know how that kind of portrays itself, but like, make sure that the artist is okay at least, and make sure they sure that they feel welcome there.
0: Is that common for for artists or sorry, venue owners or managers to not be present throughout the whole process? It's gonna happen sometimes.
1: Yeah, it like and it, it makes everything from- difficult. It does make everything difficult because then like in case anything comes up and say I have to deal with the venue manager or the tour manager has to deal with the venue manager and they're not on site. Currently, uh, I get it. Like there's things like your kids need you or your family needs you or you got to do some kind of emergency and stuff like that. There's like this is your job. Show up to your job. Do your job. Like you get paid to do this stuff and everybody depends on you for it. Um, just make sure that you do it. Uh, But it's like if I have to get a hold of the venue manager and they're not on site, they're off site and they have to call like I call them and they have to call somebody else in order to get something done. That's creating an extra step that doesn't need
0: to be there. 100%. Some artists don't believe that agents are worth the money because they can do what they do, but for themselves. What can you do as an agent that they cannot do? Or perhaps it'd be something that they greatly, greatly struggle with. Well, sometimes
1: the agents aren't worth the money. Um, So that's part and parcel right there. But when you're an artist and the booking becomes too much for you to handle, you need an agent to jump in and handle that. Uh, That's just one of the things that you need to do. An artist should be focusing, when they get to a certain level, they should be focusing on their art, like focusing on producing their live show, uh, focusing on writing new material, focusing on doing the things that artists are supposed to do. That's why you get somebody like an agent to jump in on it in order to do the live bookings. That's why you get a manager to jump in and deal with all the different team members to like throughout the day. Um, That's why you have these people. Um, If an artist is not at a point that they can't handle this stuff all themselves, they don't need those other people that are involved with it. And like, to be perfectly honest (laughs) I don't think as an agent, I would really need to jump in with an act unless I totally believe in the artists and I think they're absolutely amazing. I don't think I need to jump in with an act unless they absolutely need an agent at that point in time. Because otherwise, it's just going to be a lot of heavy lifting and a lot of waiting around until they actually are at the point that it's required.
0: Interesting. And you refer to artists reaching a specific level before it gets out of hand. And I just... Want to bring some attention to this. Would that level be different for different individuals? Because some people are good at doing a whole bunch of different tasks, not necessarily multitasking, because I don't think that's possible, um, but they're able to carry a bigger load than other individuals are. And then some are just solely artistic and they need all the support in the world.
1: Totally. Like it could be varied between like from person to person or from artist to artist or from group to group. Um, but you got to look at it like, Hey, this artist is doing a great job booking themselves all over the place, but are they booking themselves into the right opportunities? Are they able to get the dollar value for their art form that they really deserve? Um, is getting an agent going to really assist in the process or is getting an agent just going to create a little bit more busy work for an artist that's going to do it. Some wow. artists love to be hands on with their <clears throat> booking process. Yeah. Um, And just like work their way through it and kind of micromanage the whole live booking side of things. Um, Some artists are completely hands off and you never really know what you're going to get until you start working with them uh, or until you actually like go through the whole dating process that is an artist and agent relationship. Um, but really like every person is different. Every artist is different. Every group is different. Every like style of music is different. Uh, when it comes to all these things, like there's a bunch of different ways that you can look at it. So I got to say like there, no two relationships are the same.
0: That ties in very strongly to how we started this episode discussing being open and not necessarily being honest. Honesty is still a big factor, but you got to be open and you've got to communicate with your other party. In order to grow this relationship effectively
1: it's true like it is like dating like an artist and agent relationship is very much like dating there is that first little uh, period of time where you're getting to know each other seeing if you're actually going to work together Um, maybe it's a situation that an agent is chasing down an artist or an artist is chasing down an agent trying to get everything worked out and build that relationship off the ground then once the relationship is kind of forming together It's how is it going to uh, continue from there? Is it going to be an open relationship? Is it going to be one that's closed off? Is it going to be kind of a dictator and like subject relationship?
0: And depending on how that relationship grows, do you find that you're constantly chasing or checking in, I should say, with the artist or their manager for bookings? Is there a system for that?
1: Yeah, like I talk to the managers I work with on a regular basis. I talk to the artists that I work with on a regular basis. It's one of those things that you it's it's a relationship. You talk to these people all the time. Like just like I talk to buyers every day, I talk to festivals every day, I talk to like different brands every day, I talk to artists every yeah. day. Yeah. I talk to my coworkers every day, I talk to other agents every day. Uh, the booking agent side is a relationship-based business. You, the people that you know and the people you're friends with and the people that you work with and the people you have a good rapport with are the people that are going to help propel your career like through the test of time.
0: This is an everyday thing. That's yeah. for real. That's how it it's is.
1: It's a 24-7 everyday thing.
0: So it's a lot like Jerry Maguire. Yeah. Oh, I'm still
1: trying to find my Cuba Gooding Jr. I may have my Cuba Gooding Jr. right now. Time <laughs> will tell,
0: but we'll see. We will see. <laughs> We will see. (laughs) That's jokes. That is jokes. But Jordan, we are at the end of this segment, which means we're at the end of this podcast. I had a lot of fun. I think this was awesome. I had a great time.
1: This was fantastic. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Amazing. Do you have any final words you'd like to share? No, I don't. Listen to Go Produce, guys. This is a great podcast. Perfect, perfect. And then one more. Do you have anywhere that you would like listeners to find you? Or nah, everyone stay away.
1: No, everybody stay away. Don't ever come near me. I don't want to hear from anybody. Uh, no, you guys can find me. Like, If anybody wants to reach out and they have any questions or anything, you can reach me at my Feldman Agency uh, email. It's found on the Feldman Agency website. Go check out the company. Uh, it's a fantastic booking agency. And if you, ever got, if you ever need anything, feel
0: free to reach out. Beautiful, beautiful, Jordan. Thank you. To conclude, I would like to thank our listeners. Thank you so much for being here because without you, we wouldn't really exist. Go Produce team, we've got a venue, we've got a team, and we wouldn't be here without you because we wouldn't exist. And Jordan Pauly, thank you so much for being here. You Pleasure. really contributed to the show, and we appreciate that. Man, thanks so much. Other than that, we out. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this, then follow us on Instagram at go.produce. Check out our show notes, support us on Patreon, and help us grow this community. All of this and more can be found on our website at goproduce.ca. I am Big Lu, and I want to make sure that until next time, you go produce.